is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go. Now, here's Adam, Dave, and Jamie. Oh, it's a good thing he's coming to die on the show today. I won't have to defend any Julian Edelman picks on today's show. Welcome, everybody. Julian Edelman facing a four-game suspension. We will talk about it. Also, you want to hear about auctions? Well, I am sold on that. Get it? And we will talk auctions today. Well, that's not bad. Not bad. It's uh, something. Yeah. Uh, I'm Adam Azer. That's Dave Richard. And Jamie is working from home this week or today. He was at Dolphins minicamp yesterday. And Jamie might sound a little bit different, so bear with us. He has different equipment. Hi, guys. It's me, Jamie. <laughs> you do sound different, Jamie. Yeah, well, well, I was at Dolphins minicamp. Yes, I uh, I ate that crappy crackling oat brand, and I lost my manhood, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, I ate peeps on the air on the baseball podcast yesterday. You yes. actually swallowed it? I did, I did, yeah. Just one. Wow, such a big boy. One peep. Got, uh, I don't know how many emails, just maybe one or two emails, but we do have a lot of voicemails to get to today at 954-689-3199. Let's start with, I had a pretty funny pun for Julian Edelman, but I thought it was kind of mean. So I have a less funny pun. Just so everybody knows, I did have a funnier headline. But this one is, Edel, man, that sucks. That's pretty bad. Julian Edelman facing a four-game suspension for violating the PED policy. He will miss games against Houston at Jacksonville. Uh, damn, that's awful. What? What is? Uh, damn, that's awful. Yeah, that <laughs> Houston at Jacksonville, at Detroit, and Miami. And that's now it is under appeal. But assuming he's out, let's do this segment. Assuming he is out for those four games, because usually that's what happens. Jamie, uh, where what are you doing with Edelman in your rankings? I'm probably going to drop him. I, I was uh, very high on Edelman, um, Adam. You know, you, you you talked about this in your argument with Heath. Uh, I, I I was very much on board with it, uh, especially in PPR leagues. Um, and I can give you his numbers, what he's done on a per game basis over the last four seasons prior to last year. Um, yes. But I I think he's going to fall from where I had him ranked as uh, in PPR. He was close to uh, top 15, um, certainly top 20. And in non-PPR, he was uh, just inside the top 20. Um, I, I was expecting him to come back and, and be a target monster for, for Brady again. And, you know, there's a couple of videos that were circulating following or during OTAs uh, about his, you know, recovery. He looked, he looked great. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's very similar to, uh, to Mark Ingram you know, a, a little bit different just because of the position. But he's still going to play the bulk of the season. He's still going to be featured in the offense, and I still think he's going to give you good value, uh, a good return, and this just helps his value because he's going to go later in drafts. Dave, how about you? I didn't move him down that much. He's still uh, in my top 30 as well, both in standard and PPR. And the way that I'm looking at it is if if, if I get Julian Edelman and it's round six or seven – I think I can wait it out. And to me, that I look at it differently than Mark Ingram because I think Edelman's role is etched in stone. And when he's back, he's in that slot. He's getting those targets. He's getting that work that the, we all know him for. And his bye week doesn't come till later in the season. So you know week five, you've got a guy that you can put right in your lineup right away. So I don't mind, I don't mind drafting quality players when I have to wait for them. We went through this with Le'Veon Bell in the past. We kind of went through it with Zeke last year. I, I think Edelman is still worth that round six pick. Yeah, I know I sent this to you, um, but I'll, I'll just tell you. So um, over the last four seasons, he's averaged 9.7 targets per game. So 2013 through 2017. Uh, he's averaged six and a half catches, 69.6 yards, and 0.4 touchdowns per game. So over 16 games, that equates to 104 catches, 1,114 yards, and six touchdowns. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that is outstanding in both formats, but particularly particularly in PPR. So a lot of questions to be asked right now. First of all, this is probably the least important, but, you know, I looked at, at drafting Houston DST, and you see at New England in week one. Does this make them at least an okay start? Because they, after that, they're at Tennessee, home against the Giants, and at the Colts. So it's a pretty good start for the Texans DST. I know this is not the most important thing, but we can knock this out real quick. Uh, you know, are you okay drafting them even with New England in week one? Not particularly. No. I mean, if you draft them, do you have the confidence to start them in week one? Cause you're going to have the confidence to start them in the games after that. 
I just don't like carrying two defenses unless I absolutely have to. The other part of the equation is who's healthy on Houston's defense? Is everybody back? Or yeah, well, strength? that's that's what I'm assuming. Yeah, if they are, then then maybe you take your lumps week one and, and you go through it. Yeah. Okay, so the more important question, what about Tom Brady? I, 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 let me just say this. I'm not going to target the Texans DST All right. like I might have before. What about Tom Brady? Brady, eight games with Edelman in 2015. He had a 113.5 passer rating. He averaged 339 yards per game, 22 touchdowns to two interceptions. He was incredible in those eight games with Edelman. In the eight games without Edelman, and I'm going to include the game in which Edelman got hurt at the Giants. He got hurt in the first half. Uh, he went from 339 yards per game to 258 yards per game, from 22 touchdowns to 14, from two interceptions to five, from a 113.5 passer rating to an 89.7 passer rating. Those are just the numbers. Those are not what I expect Brady to be without Julian Edelman. But, you know, Dave, what does this mean for Brady for those first four games, which are against Houston, at Jacksonville, at Detroit, and home against Miami? Is Gronk healthy? Yes. They have other wide receivers and running backs that can catch a pass. Well, they do, but they also did in 2015. I mean, I think I think Hogan is an upgrade over what they had then. And their third leading receiver it was Amendola, and they had Brandon LaFell. I would say he's. Yeah, an I don't. I don't have a problem with it. I'm. I'm drafting Tom Brady as the number two quarterback. Okay. Uh, I I yeah. reserve, you know, the right to change my mind on this. The offensive line could be what matters the most. If they did not replace the tackles well, I think that's just as big of a deal as losing the security blanket that Edelman is. Jamie, how about Chris Hogan now? What do you think about him? Is he more attractive? Well, he must be, right, on draft day? Chris Hogan? Yeah, slightly. I mean, again, it's, it's four games. Uh, one of those games is against Jacksonville, so you know, take that into account. It was going to be a tough, you know, uh, tough go for him. Uh, being the, the top outside guy against the Jaguars in week two. Um, uh, today's point about the offensive line, I, I think, you know, you, you gotta take into account the coaching there. And so Nate Soldier may be a good player. I don't know if he's a great player, but Scar, uh, certainly gets them in, in great shape. So Trent Brown and, and, uh, Isaiah Wynn, I think will hopefully be okay to help Tom Brady's value. Um, I, I think you're doing, it, it makes Hogan more attractive, but he was already, you know, the main, beneficiary of Brandon Cooks being gone. The guy who benefits the most is Jordan Matthews, because if he has a good showing in training camp, he's the uh he's the likely starter, quote unquote, in the slot for those four games. And so that could be a guy that takes the opportunity of being featured in those first four games and becomes more of a vital role. Because once we usually see what from the Patriots when they got to the postseason last year notwithstanding because Edelman wasn't there, it was Edelman and Amendola. And so now he takes over that Amendola role when Edelman's back. And so maybe they used him a little bit more because while Hogan, I think, does again take a, take a step and, and hopefully benefits with Cooks not being there. It's still as, as we heard time and time again, especially from our old friend, uh, Chad Ochocinco, they work inside out. And so the more inside options that they have, the better off that they'll be and the better off that we could be as fantasy owners if they have more options, you know, getting those passes. I'm going to give you some Edelman ors. Edelman or Juju Smith Schuster. I think you've got to go with Smith Schuster at this point. Okay. That's, that's easy. It's easy now in standard, non PPR. In PPR, um, I still may, may take Edelman. Edelman or, and we'll do PPR here, Marvin Jones. I'll go Jones. I'll take Edelman. Jones' best year last year was 65 catches. Edelman will crush that in 12 games. <laughs> Edelman or Crabtree? I'll go Crabtree. I'll take, in PPR, I'll still take Edelman. Um, Crabtree's never been a high-volume pass catcher. Touchdowns have saved him. Okay, so seems like Jamie's just higher on Edelman than, than Davis. Uh, any other impact here? You know, Gronkowski upgrade for four games, or just are we done? This is pretty much it, but I, I've kind of been working on this idea that the Patriots, by drafting Sony Michelle, by kind of reshaping their run game. I, I wonder if they're going to try and be a little more run-centric this year. And they've always been right under 30 rush attempts per game. It's just that they split up the rushing workload so that no one knows who's coming when. But Michelle offers a lot of potential. He's already a very good pass protector. He can catch balls out of the backfield. He's got speed for days. And I wonder if if this helps kind of push them toward being – 
a little more effective and reliant on the run, which would be bad for all things Patriots and fantasy. Yeah, they've all, they've always been a run heavy team, so I, I don't think it really changes much. I think if you're looking at it from the running backs perspective, it's uh it, it should help Rex Burkhead, who is most likely going to play over Sony Michelle in passing situations, and should definitely help James White. So if you're looking for a quick boost in PPR in the zero RB oh, yeah, realm, yeah. um, James White is somebody that can get you through those first four games, especially if Jordan Matthews struggles. And just to you know go back to the you know I I should have said this what his per game uh, numbers are over the last four seasons, over 12 games, that equates to 78 catches, 836 yards, and I'll tell you touchdowns in one second. I'm going to say five. Uh, yep, five touchdowns. So um, that's still pretty good for 12 games. 78 catches, 836 yards, and five touchdowns? Yep. Okay. Now, at the end of the year, the, that'll equate to you know somewhere between – 20th and 35th overall among fantasy receivers. But keep in mind that you're going to get that over 12 games from Edelman, not 16. You know you're going to get donuts for the first four weeks. And, and when you, when you pad that into 12 games, it's really not that bad. And just looking at what that would be amongst the three year averages of wide receivers in PPR, I got to do quick math here. It's somewhere around 15 to 20, 18th or something like that. That's, that's pretty good. Okay. Moving on. Hey, are you guys going to watch some horse racing this weekend? Triple Crown possibility. You could be honest. You don't have to say yes. We 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 had Hank Goldberg here on CBS Sports HQ today giving his picks, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm gonna have to tune into HQ to see exactly what his picks are. Or or I mean, I'm glad you're promoting HQ. I'm gonna promote Sportsline.com. You can go to Sportsline.com and our expert Jody Demling who is coming off a of Preakness where he had Justify winning and he hit the Exacta, Trifecta, and Superfecta picks. It's pretty good. Uh, you can get his advice. Jody Demling is awesome. Now, look, I, I told people about Jody Demling and, and Sportsline for the Kentucky Derby. He had gotten something like 10 Kentucky Derby winners in a row, right? And, of course, this was the year it didn't happen. But this is a guy with a great track record. So we have an awesome offer for you. If you go to Sportsline.com slash join. And by, if you don't know what Sportsline is, by the way, it's, you know, it's gambling advice, and it's picks, and it's projections. There's some fantasy advice on there, too. Actually, there's a lot of fantasy content on Sportsline.com now that will really help you out. It's 10 bucks a month, usually, or ninety nine ninety nine a year. However, use the code SUPREME and get get a half-off annual subscription. Sportsline.com slash join. Use the code SUPREME and get half-off an annual subscription. This is great for fantasy, great for non-fantasy. The code is SUPREME because the Supreme Court ruled in favor of Sports betting. Uh forty nine ninety nine instead of ninety nine ninety nine and you could renew at that rate every year forever. Sportsline.com slash join code is supreme. We have got a lot to to get to today. Dalvin Cook participated in team drills. We'll talk about him. Tennessee offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur uh considers Derek Henry and Deion Lewis to be his one A and one B running backs. I did not like hearing that. And Ron Rivera says Christian McCaffrey could get two hundred carries this season. I did like hearing that, so we'll talk about those running backs. Voicemails, emails, we're helping somebody pick a middle name for his child. We got a lot. Let's get to our voicemail of the day at 954-689-3199. Also, auction talk coming up. Here's our voicemail of the day. Hey, fellas, this is Phil from Winnipeg. My question to you is this. Can you please explain your logic for ranking uh, Jim Garoppolo as a quarterback one? Um, his skill uh, position players aren't the best. He's got, you know, McKinnon, who's ranked as an RB2, both Garcon and Goodwin are, you know, at the best in the 30s, and Kittle isn't even ranked to be drafted necessarily. On the flip side, you've got Eli Manning with, you know, Odell Beckham, Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, and even Sterling Shepard, who I think could be sneaky good, and he's barely cracking the top 20 in quarterbacks. So, um, if you can explain just how you've, uh, statted these guys out and, uh, why they're either so high on your list or so uh, low on your list. It would be uh, very much appreciated. Uh, love listening to the show, and uh, take care, guys. Peace. All right, thank you, Phil. So the question is, why Jimmy Garoppolo top 12, 11th for Jamie, 12th for Dave, Heath has Garoppolo 14th, and Eli Manning, who has much better better weapons, 22nd for Jamie, Heath has Eli Manning 26th, Dave actually has Eli Manning 17th, not too far behind Garoppolo. But it's an interesting point. Uh, you care to comment why Garoppolo is so much higher than Eli Manning, guys? Uh, Jamie, I'll start with you. 
Uh, well, I, I think we saw how he performed at the end of last season um, in a couple of tough situations. Uh, I believe he faced the Jaguars and the Rams in, in those five starts. And he did that without Garcon, without McKinnon. Uh, I think the offensive line will be better. Uh, mostly what I like about Garoppolo is what quarterbacks have done in their second year with Kyle Shanahan. And I think a full offseason will certainly help his uh, potential, his outlook. Uh, Eli Manning is, is certainly has the potential to, to finish better than Garoppolo and, uh, Adam, we talked about this on, on our last show that there's a very good track record of what quarterbacks have done if Saquon Barkley, Odell Beckham, and Evan Ingram finish as they are potentially being ranked. Um, but I, I think that the Giants will have a better run game than the 49ers because of Barkley. I think Barkley will take away a lot of touchdown production that Eli Manning can have. And I do think that Evan Ingram takes a little bit of a step back. So, um, you, you could certainly, if you want to pass on Garoppolo, settle for Eli Manning, and I have no problem with that. I just think that Garoppolo, at this point in his career, compared to Eli Manning in his, uh, Garoppolo has a higher ceiling. We're living in a time where there are so many exciting quarterbacks that the ones that carry that sizzle factor, upside factor, they're just going to be picked sooner than the guys who've been around for a long time. Sometimes they've been great for fantasy. Sometimes they haven't. And I think, I think this is the shiny new toy in fantasy football. Garoppolo is one of goodness, maybe three, four or five different quarterbacks that you could say that about versus the old school been around the block type of quarterbacks like Eli Manning. And people are going to gravitate toward Garoppolo in that case. Not saying it's wrong, but I, I, I think the smart thing to do could be to wait and draft both of these guys. And that might be something that I, consider doing in drafts where I've got a lot of bench space, more than six bench spots. Jimmy Garoppolo averaged 308 yards per game in his passing yards, in his five starts. That's really good. Um, Eli Manning, two years ago, he was the number 20 quarterback in fantasy. He just He's been bad two straight years. Uh, now, two years ago, Russell Wilson was the number 15 quarterback in fantasy. This is 2016. He had the number 10 wide receiver and the number 4 tight end in fantasy. Jameis Winston was the number 11 quarterback in fantasy. He had the number 1 wide receiver, number 1 in, in uh, non-PPR, number 2 in PPR. And he had the number 6 tight end, 6th in non-PPR, 7th in PPR. So, you know, two great weapons doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a great quarterback. That said, we're also throwing in Barkley, who we expect to be good out of the backfield. Sterling Shepard, who people seem to like. Yeah, I don't know if this is more of an argument against Garoppolo or for Manning, but gosh, if you could just switch, if you could just put Garoppolo on the Giants, <laughs> where would you That'd rank him? Awesome. Right? I mean, it'd be amazing. I, I think they're well, both. We know really you would good. like that. I would love it. <laughs> um, I, I think they're, I think they're both really good points, you know? I mean, it is not a great group of receivers for Garoppolo, and it is. No, but they're better than they were a year ago. Yeah, and the, you know, the thing is though, the yards are great. The touchdowns really weren't, as I recall, for for Garoppolo. Uh, he only had two games out of five with with more than twenty fantasy points, and only one with more than twenty one. Yeah, he threw uh, in five starts. He threw six touchdown passes. I don't know if that means anything. Probably doesn't. Right. But 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 again, I, I'll just go back to you know spending the time with Shanahan. I think will will help him tremendously. Look, Matt Ryan, his first year with Shanahan was a struggle. Second year was the MVP. Uh, getting Garcon back will help. Offensive line should be better. They added a, a, you know, for whatever he does, he's an added piece in Dante Pettis. Trent Taylor will be better. Uh, George Kittle will be better. Those were two young, you know, players that they had last year. Marquise Goodwin, I think, will be better, you know, who wasn't really expected to do much. And, you know, if, if you're reading the, the reports out of San Francisco, while Carlos Hyde was a good pass catcher last year, what Jarek McKinnon should be able to do is, I would expect it to be dramatically better than what Hyde is just based on skill set. Same with Matt Breida. He'll be involved more. So um, there, there, there's a big opportunity here for Jimmy Garoppolo. Again, it's can he take advantage of it and get more out of what he has compared to what somebody like Eli Manning has? And I think he will. Okay. People, fantasy analysts are going to have to reconcile where they have Eli Manning as it relates to where they have Odell Beckham and Evan Ingram and – I'm not necessarily Sterling Shepard, but Saquon Barkley, who we probably are going to expect a lot of catches from. Just going to be an interesting test case. Can that can Eli Manning make all of those guys good and not be a must-start quarterback? It'll be an interesting question, I think. Well, I, I guess the flip side of that would be is 
How many of Tom Brady's weapons now are ranked as high-end starters? How many of Russell Wilson's guys are ranked as high-end starters? And I know Wilson does things yeah, with his Wil- legs. Yeah, right, Wilson, Wilson with the legs. But it's it's kind of the same type of argument, right? Um, I don't know. Is it? What's what's the what's the Brady comparison? Well, I mean, obviously Brady has Gronk. Yeah, and he's got a lot of guys. But you're saying it, Eli has comparable I, I, weapons. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, like you you could still have good quarterback production without having great skill players around them. Right. It certainly helps. But okay, it so could be it could be George Kill and and Garrett Selleck giving Garoppolo two touchdowns and 300 yards with his everybody else, you know, contributing. And that's one game. The next game, it could be Marquise Goodwin and Pierre Garçon going off. It's, it's, it's clearly not the ideal scenario. You'd rather have, like you said, I'd rather put Garoppolo on the Giants and see how that looks. But I, I still think as we saw last year, he can be productive without necessarily having that, that type of go-to player. And I, and I do think that Garçon has a thousand yard ability. I, I, I'll tell you who it, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins was top 10 quarterback last year. Right? He, he didn't have great weapons around him. Those guys didn't do so well. He got Chris Thompson involved. He just figured out a way to make it happen. Yep. And yep. Jordan Reed was hurt. Yep. Jordan Reed was hurt. Absolutely. Terrell Pryor was you're, a total bust. You're bringing up good, efficient passers that make the most of what's around them. Right. And Brady is the master at that. And how many times last year did I say that Garoppolo reminded me of Brady? Just the way they stood in the pocket, the way he threw the ball. Obviously, he probably, not obviously, but he probably prepares similar to how Brady prepares for games. I, I think that's exactly how Garoppolo is going to get it done. I'll, by I'll spreading the, it around. I'll set the over under a number of times you said it is five. <laughs> I have no idea how many times you said it, but sure, I'll take right around five. Uh, let's do one some, per, one some per start. running back news. Yeah, one per start. Running back news here. All right. So Dalvin Cook participated in team drills. I just thought this was a nice time to talk about Dalvin Cook. Uh, what are your expectations for Dalvin Cook? Let me just throw this out. Carries. Now, he's got a new offensive regime, but they're really riding him as kind of a workhorse last year. He only played three and a half games. He had 22 carries in the first game. He had only 12 carries in the second game, but he had four carries on the opening two possessions. Both of them ended in a punt, and then they started getting blown out. They lost 26-9 to at Pittsburgh. Cook had only 12 carries. Third game of the year? He had uh, 20 – how many carries did he have? He had more than 20 carries in that game. And then he had 13 in week four, and he left five minutes into the third quarter. So they were using him really – looked like kind of a 20-carry-per-game sort of guy. What are your expectations, Dave, for Dalvin Cook in 2018? And by the way, he had 27 carries. There it is in week three. Yeah, I, I think that they're going to be willing to feed him the football and give him a chance to be that superstar running back that they thought he was before he got hurt last year. And the evidence of that is exactly what you said. It's in the workload that they gave him. I love that he's already participating in team drills. It means that he's on pace for training camp. Maybe he spends the first week of training camp not really getting into it as much, but you'll probably see Dalvin Cook take a couple of snaps in the preseason. And when when he got hurt last year, I don't know if you could have said that. So... This is a good thing. I think the offensive line will be a little bit better, and I think the play calling could be a lot better now with uh, John DiFilippo calling the shots, Cousins under center. There, There is a little part of me that's worried about the passing game in, in Minnesota because Cook could get so much work that there will be weeks where the defense and Cook just carries them to victories. Um, the, the one thing to keep in mind is Latavius Murray wasn't healthy last year to start the season, and they're going to give him – my guess would be somewhere in the neighborhood of five day carries a game. So if he does get going to any extent, that may hurt Dalvin Cook. Just just as a as a slight to what could happen, especially coming off of the injury. So uh, he he's he's an excellent top ten running back to target, but I, I think there there could be a cap just if Murray does get in the way. All right, are you buying this? Tennessee offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur, he says Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis are 1A and 1B. Are you guys buying it? I have the whole quote here if you want to hear it. Yeah, it might make me sick, but go for it. Well, until you get the pads on and really get going through preseason, I look at them both as 1A and 1B. I feel confident in both of those guys. They both bring a little bit different qualities to what they do, but I think we've got two really good backs that we're excited about. What did he really say? 
Yeah, I guess not as much as I thought. He's rambling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you like? He's he's just pumping him up, I guess. I mean, so I, let, I, let I think that this begin. headline comes out. This headline comes out, and everybody gets scared about what's going to happen to Derrick Henry. And does this mean that he's going to be getting, you know, no more than ten carries per week? And is he going to be touchdown dependent, or does it mean that? Yeah, Deion Lewis is going to end up only getting, you know, two carries and six catches a week. Who knows? But I, I still buy into Derrick Henry having the lead role in that offense. Define lead role, though. How many carries 15, per week? Fifteen plus carries on average per week, with the chance to get a lot more when Deion Lewis misses playing time. The the numbers you threw out, Adam, when we had this conversation after you took him in the beginning of the second round. No, one of our drafts. False. Huh? Beginning of the huh? third round. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. I apologize. Uh, yeah. Beginning of the third round. Uh, it was on the turn. Yeah. Um, after you picked first. I, I think <laughs> yeah. he has the chance for a thousand rushing yards and the chance for double digits and touchdowns. Yeah. Where he'll be hurt is in PPR formats where he probably has a cap of about 30 catches, which if he's giving you those other numbers as a rusher, you'll be thrilled. So I totally agree with Dave. Deion Lewis has played 16 games once in his career. It was last year in a contract situation. His numbers were not as good when Rex Burkhead was healthy. Take that into account if you break down Deion Lewis. And so Derrick Henry should be the bell cow there to whatever extent it may be, 15 carries, 20 carries, maybe some games as we saw last year, 25-plus carries. He is the better Titans running back. Now, based on value, that could be a different conversation because you're going to get Deion Lewis later, especially in non-PPR. But I'm all in with Derrick Henry. I think he's got top 15, if not top 10 upside. Standard score or non-PPR, Derrick Henry or Jarek McKinnon? I'll take McKinnon here. I think there's more upside with him. Dave? I uh, I believe I will go with McKinnon. All right. Good. You, yeah, McKinnon. McKinnon for everybody. Uh, and then I got a note about Christian McCaffrey, but we said Derrick Henry could get double-digit touchdowns. Quick trivia, impromptu trivia. Over the last two years... Nine running backs, not necessarily nine different running backs, but nine running backs have scored double-digit rushing touchdowns. How many in 2016? How many in 2017? How does the nine break down between the last two seasons? I'll say three and six. Three last year and six the year three before? And, three in 2016, six in 2017. Jamie? Uh, four and sixteen, five and seventeen. Wrong. Seven in two thousand sixteen. Only two. Mm. Mark Ingram and Todd Gurley last year had double-digit rushing touchdowns. Okay, thank you for playing. Ron Rivera says Christian McCaffrey could get <laughs> two hundred carries this season. McCaffrey had a hundred and seventeen last year. Oh man, that would be awesome if he got two hundred carries. Do you buy it, Dave? I have a hard time buying it after they signed C.J. Anderson. I think this is just more coach speak. I, I think he can get fairly close to 200. You don't want to tell me he gets 150? I'm in. But I don't think he gets to 200 as long as Anderson's healthy. Jaime? Yeah, 150 is about the, the, the number you should uh, expect and, and prob- probably hope for. Uh, I would say the optimistic view should be about 175 because if, if he's getting 200 carries, I, I've had a hard time expecting him to be a 300 touch guy because he's going to be 80 catches, you know, so I, I would probably say 230 to 250 tops for his total touches. Okay. Well, we got a new sponsor. I'm going to tell you about him real quick, and it's an awesome sponsor. This is a product that I already use and have been using for several years. It's Roku. Go to Roku.com, R-O-K-U.com. What can you watch with Roku? Well, if you're a true sports fan or a fantasy football fan or any type of sports fan, you're going to love having a Roku streaming player. It's a device you plug into your TV to unlock thousands of live streaming and on-demand channels, including the free CBS Sports app, so you can watch CBS Sports HQ right on your TV. I mean, if you don't know about Roku, uh, most of you probably do, but if you don't, this is how I watch Netflix, this is how I watch Amazon Prime, HBO Go, Showtime, the CBS Sports app. I watch it all on my Roku, and it's $29.99 for the basic player. This is an awesome, awesome Father's Day gift. Father's Day is right around the corner. 
Roku players make a great gift. So if you have subscriptions to any of the professional sports league apps, they're all available on Roku, and you can stream it right to your TV. And if you don't have the premium subscriptions, uh, Roku's a great way to catch your favorite local teams live with apps through many cable providers. Movies, TV shows, all of them you could want. More than 500,000 available uh, across free and paid channels on Roku. Go to Roku.com. It's really, really cool. Great way to watch TV now. Roku.com. R-O-K-U.com. Also, I watch The Simpsons on my Roku most nights before I go to sleep. Isn't that cute? Cartoons to put this guy to sleep. All right, Roku.com. Uh, yeah, so I'm not going to go through all the notes because we're running out of time. I want to get to the auction stuff. I'm just going to say Terrell Owens is not going to the Hall of Fame induction. And I thought his quote was very funny. He said, after visiting Canton earlier this year, I came to the realization that I wish to celebrate what will be one of the most memorable memorable days of my life elsewhere. Could you crap on Canton anymore, Terrell Owens? Isn't that mean? I think that's mean. I hope he changes his mind. Well, I, I'm going to I mean, to just help. for his sake, I, I, it doesn't matter to me either way. If he doesn't want to go to Canton, that's that's his prerogative. But I don't know. I think if, if you've got an honor this big, you should probably be there to accept it. Well, I'm here to help. I hope he's listening. Because according to Movoto.com, here are just a few of the 30 fun facts about Canton that they published. Uh, the Canton Palace Theater features a murder mystery event where the patrons must work together to solve the case. That sounds great. They have a classic car museum, and President William McKinley is from Canton. Shame on you, Terrell Owens. Making a big mistake. Let's put a first-round pick under the microscope. We've done it with Zeke and Gurley. DeAndre Hopkins. Give me, best case scenario is clearly number one wide receiver. He's done it before. He did it last year in, in non-PPR. He was number two in PPR, just barely behind Antonio Brown. Jamie, give me the worst case scenario for DeAndre Hopkins. The Dolphins cut Brock Osweiler. The Texans signed Brock Osweiler. Sean Watson gets hurt again. <laughs> Brock Osweiler starts. DeAndre Hopkins goes on the back of a milk carton. Uh, I'm not sure, Dave, if you've been part of this segment yet, but we we don't do injuries. So him getting his getting injured is not. I didn't say him. I know, I, I know, I know. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I do have a. I almost emailed this to you last night, um, but I didn't because I don't know how to. I didn't know how to phrase it. I didn't want you to put it in that stupid category again. Um, but uh, I have what DeAndre Hopkins' numbers were with Deshaun Watson. And what they were without Deshaun Watson and what the pace was for both, which is very interesting. Oh, I have it myself. I have the fantasy points per game anyway. So in nine games that Deshaun Watson did not start, in non-PPR, Deshaun, or DeAndre Hopkins averaged 13.2 fantasy points per game. Outstanding. In six games with Deshaun Watson, standard or non-PPR scoring, getting used to that, uh, 14.7 fantasy points per game. And it's a little bit higher. It's 1.5 points per game higher, but he's actually more consistent without Deshaun Watson. Four games all season with single-digit fantasy points and non-PPR for for DeAndre Hopkins. Three of those four came with Deshaun Watson starting. Is His overall numbers really boosted by the Seattle game, which was just, like, unbelievable. Right. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's interesting that the 16-game pace with Hopkins, with Watson, excuse me, would have been 103 catches, 1,385 yards, and 16 touchdowns. Uh-huh. His 16-game pace without Watson would have been 102 catches, 1,544 yards, and 12 touchdowns. <laughs> so the touchdowns were the biggest difference yeah. because the yards were certainly in favor without uh, without Watson. And, I, I mean, would, that's probably too small of a sample size to really take anything. I don't think anyone's going to make a, the It's case also factoring worse. in that Will Fuller missed a lot of the time without Watson. And I did look at that as well. He actually was fine with Will Fuller. Six games, he scored double-digit fantasy. He was great. Double-digit fantasy points in, in non-PPR in five of six games. He had three 100-yard games in those six games. So there's nothing really wrong here with Hopkins, but this is a guy who was 36th in standard, 25th in PPR just in 2016. Dave, do you see any potential issues with DeAndre Hopkins? No, not at all. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I think, I, I think he's, I, I think this Texans offense could be primed to be very dangerous with Watson under center. I, I think their schedule is great. I think that other than, you know, they're going to take on Jacksonville twice this year. They open against New England on the road. Uh, they play at Denver. 
Well, you're that's, gonna that's, start DeAndre Hopkins in those matchups anyway. It doesn't matter, but th- that, those might be the only matchups he has. Yeah. Where you look and you and you like you you like blink and then you go, okay, I'm starting him anyway. But that's which kind means of the rest of the schedule is fantastic for him. Sorry, dude. That, that is pretty interesting though because uh, that did sort of hurt AJ Green last year. Playing Denver, playing Jacksonville. He played Minnesota. They don't play Minnesota, do they? The Texans. No, no, but Denver's different East. now. De- Denver's Denver different now, different. though. You're right. You're right. And let me also they're tell still, you, they're still Cincinnati's... great. But they, just, they lost. They lost a piece. Yeah, I'm not comparing Cincinnati's offense to Houston's offense. I think they're totally different. Okay, I, I don't really know what else to say about DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, he's I think stay he's away from Brock Osweiler. Stay away from Brock Osweiler. Stay away from Brock Osweiler. <laughs> I'm sitting here in the chair that I fell out of the other day with my my hands like the prayer position. Stay away from Brock Osweiler. That's a wrap on DeAndre Hopkins. Draft him with an early pick. And a couple of quick questions here. Auction questions coming in just a second, but some family-themed fantasy football questions. This is from Mike in St. Paul. Dear Heath, Keith, Creeth, and Teeth, as of Monday, I am a new dad. Since it's the off-season, I figured it's an okay time to ask, what is a good age to introduce your kid to fantasy football? I think a laid-back league with family or a kid's league with friends could be fun, but I've never been in one. Also, what age do kids become better than Adam at eating bean boozles? So he just had the baby, no teeth. He's already better than you in that regard. <laughs> um, I started a uh, father and son league with uh, my oldest son at the time was five. Now he's six and uh, nine of his friends and their and their fathers. And uh, the goal was have them do the first round and then they're done. And every year increase the round that they have to make the picks. So clearly you can guide them and help them however you need to. But I, I think. You know, letting them be a part of it as much as they can, letting them be a part of the process throughout the the week and setting lineups. Um, for me, it was five. That's what I waited for. Five. Okay. I I have a son who does not play fantasy football, and he's about to turn fourteen, but he watches sports all the time on TV. And so, what what I would suggest to everybody is, once your child understands what football is, that's when you could show them, hey, you know, I've got my own fantasy team or my own football team. You want to see and you bring it up on the computer and you gauge the kid's interest from there. Um, I, I think it's great that Jamie's getting his son involved when he's five. I would imagine you'd have to wait a few more years than that just to have it click with, with the kid. We all know Jamie's oldest son is like a genius anyway. So, <laughs> <Is that laughs> so he, he's going to, he's going to gravitate toward, you know, important things like fantasy football at a much younger age than, than other children. Were. I will, I will say this though. So during the draft last year, which again was the first time, he was much more excited about putting the stickers on the draft board than he was about making the picks. And we just did this at, at home over the computer because people were spread out. So he was, I laid out the draft board on the floor and he was like, all right, well, who's next? And so he had no idea who the guys were, but he was, uh, he was all about it. You should bring him into the office when we do our drafts. Oh, he can yeah. take care of that for us. He has school, unfortunately. Be <laughs> one less thing Adam has to do. So uh, I've got uh, I've got another great question here. By the way, I have gone up against a little kid in Bean Boozles and lost to a twelve-year-old, I think. Um, Lance Larson said, "Since FFT is deciding baby names now, let me get a middle name: Luke Blank Larson." Cannot use James. Wife thinks it sounds too much like Dave Dave Chappelle's skit. I'm Luke James. You know how it goes. Uh, all right. So does, ja- does Jamie count? Because if Jamie's out, then if James is out, then Jamie's. Probably I think Jamie's in. I think anything but James is in. So I just put it on Twitter. Pick a middle name for the newborn son of one of our listeners. Luke Blank Larson. I actually I know it's boring, but I think Luke Michael Larson sounds great to me. That's my guess. That's my nomination. David. I'm gonna go Oliver, so his initials are LOL. <laughs> that's, that's what awesome. I was gonna say. I swear to God. That's oh, what yes. I was gonna say. That's great. Do you think LOL is gonna be a thing in like 15 years? Yes. Luke, Oliver. It's, it's pretty much gonna be like the only thing we say to each other. Taylor's a good one. Taylor came in from, uh, from one of our, on Twitter. Luke Taylor. O- Oliver. Larson. Oliver. Oliver's gonna be tough to beat. Uh, yeah, yeah, now we got the O's coming in. All right, well, Oliver is the front runner. I, I still like Michael. Nice class, LML. And now it's time. Ol- I'd, go, I'd go with Le'Veon. Luke Le'Veon Larson. Luke Le'Veon Larson, yeah. Uh, all right, some uh, some auction questions. 
Skywalker. How did we not say that? Oh, duh. From Aaron. Dear Jerry, Beth, Summer, and Morty. I don't know who that is. I'm the commissioner of a league that's going to do its first ever auction draft this year. Having never done an auction before, I'm really looking forward to it, but would appreciate some general tips on the best way to set it up. Budget, time limit, any other points you can think of. It will be an online draft as we all live in different places. This is, uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. That was not Aaron. That was Jamie in London. Jamie from London. Aaron, you're next with your question. So yeah. I'm in London. General tips. <laughs> general auction tips, guys. Setting up, uh, generally speaking. I'd keep it simple. I think auctions are the best. They're way more fun than drafts. They take longer, but I'd, I'd keep it simple with a $100 budget and, uh, 15 spots you gotta fill. You go around the, well, you're online doing it. You know, CBS Sports has a great auction room that you can use. I, I hope that Jamie from London, uh, takes place, uh, has this draft take place in the auction room. You nominate a player, the player gets bid, somebody's the auctioneer, you say going, going, gone, and, uh, and that's it. And once you run out of your hundred bucks, you're done picking players to your team. Yeah. Well, so what? Fifteen spots, right? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Do whatever you want. Keep it simple. The first year, keep it simple. Hundred dollar budget, I think, works pretty well. And with that said, I'm going to tell you that the players who went for one and two dollars in our draft, our auction last year, I was not a part of it, but Dave and Jamie were. All right. This is Aaron. By the way, I figured Jerry, Beth, Summer, and Morty were Rick and Morty. In fact, that is Rick and Morty. Aaron says, dear Tully Blanchard, Ole Anderson, Arn Anderson, and Ric Flair. Did I say it wrong? It, yeah, it's Ole Anderson. Ole, okay. I mean, how, how, do you get, how do you get Larson's middle name wrong? Luke's middle name wrong? I don't know. I don't know. Um, Luke Ole Larson. Luke Ole Larson. There you go. That actually sounds better than Oliver. Luke Oliver Larson. I'm changing my vote. Ole spelled O-L-E? Mm-hmm. What's the best lineup strategy? Everybody's gonna call that kid Ole. I mean, that poor, it's true. <laughs> poor it's his middle name. No one's gonna know it. It's true. Also true. No one calls you Arthur or me Lewis or Adam Aloysius. <laughs> okay, okay. What is the best lineup strategy for a $200 auction? Spend all your money on your starting lineup and have your bench spots be $1 or spread out your money evenly throughout your roster? I, I always shoot to try and get a team in an auction that I wouldn't be able to get in a draft. So that usually means getting two high-priced players that I really like. If they come at a bargain, that's even better, but typically they don't. And I, I like having about a third of my budget left over for the back half of the auction. So in a $200 budget, you want to have 70 bucks left um, for the last 100 players that are up for nomination. Balance, balance, balance. Get a balanced roster. You'll find studs along the way. It happens when you play, pick up guys off the waiver wire. You are much better scenario to not conserve your money, but spread it out across the, the portion of your team and you get a much more complete team that way. <laughs> Sorry. I just sneezed on the air, held it in. Um, yeah. So, so balance. Thank you. Balance, balance, balance. Now, if you're in a shallower league, obviously you can, you can spend more on higher end guys. Waiver wire will be more plentiful and bountiful and uh you know it'll be easier to get value cheaper i i would like to at least try the strategy of spending say 80% of my budget on like four players and then okay so so the the math i did was this right 15 people 15 roster spots uh and quarterback two running back two receiver flex tight end kicker defense so that's how many starting spots? Eight or nine? Quarterback, two, four, yeah. So um, if you spend 80% of your budget, let's say $80 on four players, that leaves you $20 for 11 players. You spend a dollar on a kicker, a dollar on a defense. That leaves you 18 bucks for nine players. Now you can average $2 for your remaining nine players. So who went for one or $2 in our auction last year? Well, the easiest thing to say is this. If you're going to take that type of strategy and spend very little on a lot of spots, it has to be quarterback and tight end. Don't spend big on quarterback or tight end, most likely, if you're taking this approach. Because Kirk Cousins, Ben Roethlisberger, Tyrod Taylor, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, Phillip Rivers, Carson Palmer, Andy Dalton, Eli Manning, these quarterbacks went for one or two bucks. So you could have gotten away with that. Tight ends, Delaney Walker, Kyle Rudolph, Hunter Henry, uh, some garbage. Evan Ingram went undrafted. They were one, two, or zero dollars. 
Running back and wide receiver was a little tougher, especially running back. There was only one good running back who went for a dollar or two, and that was Alvin Kamara. Um, and the good wide receivers, Adam Thielen, Marvin Jones, Robbie Anderson, Kenny Galladay, Cooper Cup, Sterling Shepard. These guys were one or two dollars. So I don't know if you could pull it off. Now this doesn't, this doesn't account for anything that happened on waivers throughout the year. Keep that in mind. But I would like to at least try it. And that was a 12. But wait a minute. I, I don't understand what you're saying. What didn't work out? Getting guys cheap? Yeah. Getting guys cheap, especially at running back. But it's not necessarily, I mean, I, I don't want to think my point is get, get guys cheap. It's no. just don't over, overspend on the elite guys. That's the way I would approach it. Well, I'm saying don't necessarily overspend on one elite guy, but overspend to get four elite guys and then fill out the rest of your roster with junk. That's what yeah, you're Yeah, that doing. never, that never, that, that's hard to work or be successful with. I've never done it. I'd like to try it though. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Yeah, no, I'm saying. What happens if you don't hit on one of your dollar players and one of your studs goes down? Yeah, you're, you're gonna have you a hard time trouble. competing. You might be in trouble, but if you started with, okay, thinking about prices, right? What could I get for eighty dollars? Knowing how auctions go, could I get Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, Julio Jones, and Devonte Adams? No, no. no. It, it was you can with get how the much first of a budget? Three. With 80 bucks out of 100. No way. You could probably get the first three guys and your team would be probably crummy unless you were a wizard with the $1, $2 bids. I'll just give you an example. I, I answered this question for uh, the mailbag, which is up uh, for this week. A guy had a, has to make a decision in the $200 budget keeping DeAndre Hopkins or David Johnson. It's PPR. Uh, David Johnson's at $59 and DeAndre Hopkins at 51 Out of how much? 200 Okay, so cut it in half. Yeah, so but again, twenty-eight and twenty-five, for, or what was it, fifty-nine? So no. yeah, you said eighty bucks for those guys. You're, you're talking. And... Yeah, okay, so we have to drop down to like a third-round pick. Right. So like a you, Kenyon you Drake. Do that. Yeah, huh? like a Kenyon Drake or something like that. We'll throw in there. Yeah, but but again, that that's going more to I I think what what a better approach is is try to get tier two, tier three guys as opposed to overspending for tier one. What if we did? What if we did Julio Jones, Saquon Barkley? But take, take, no, you're 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 getting tier one guys. You gotta I know go that's what two, that's tier. the point. But let, but I'll substitute one. What uh, if you just hold on? What I substitute one of the tier one guys with like a tier three guy. And the, so you want Julio Jones, Saquon Barkley, Alex Collins, and Chris Hogan? No, I want Julio Jones, Saquon Barkley, Alex Collins, and one more stud. Can I get that for eighty? Can I get T.Y. Hilton? I don't think you can get them. You don't think so? No. That that I think you could do. That I think you could do. Because you're talking Barkley's probably 25. No, Barkley's probably 30. Yeah. And Julio's probably 30. No, you can't do it. Okay, yeah. I guess I can't. If you think they're going to go for that much, then yeah, I can't do it. All right, so what you could do is get – You could get Saquon and Julio and then try and balance out the rest of your – team with the remaining what would it be 40 40 percent of your that's, budget that's what you like to do dave that is what i like to do right because i know that i'm going to get a quarterback for one maybe two my dsc is going to be one my kicker is going to be i mean I, I would give my belly lint to get a kicker but i have to actually give up a dollar in the auction to do it and that leaves a lot left over to fill the rest of the spots on my team so i can still chase guys that are four five six seven at that price point i'd rather get Six tier two, tier three guys. Uh huh. And then four tier four guys, the four dollar guys, while still doing the same thing Dave said about quarterback, kicker, defense, and potentially tight end. Okay. So, so then let me ask you this. Isn't one of the fun things about an auction is, is drafting a team that, that you could never do in a snake draft? And so Dave, you say, yeah, you'd love to get Julio Jones and Saquon Barkley. You could easily do that in a snake draft if you had like the tenth pick or something, or you could come close. I don't know. You, I don't you know could get if two players approximately at that value, right? Like somebody in the Barkley tier and somebody in the Julio tier. But I, I want a, sure. I want a third guy. I want a third stud. I want the advantage. It's really a matter of league depth. Like if I'm in a ten-team league, I definitely feel like I could pull that off. Maybe I was too ambitious with eighty uh, percent of my budget for four players. But if I did 80% of my budget for three players, or 75% of my budget for three players, and got three total studs, 
Like I feel like I could fit. I feel like I could use one and two dollar bids, maybe a three dollar bid in there somewhere to fill out the rest of my team. I spend a dollar on quarterback, a dollar on tight end, dollar on kicker, dollar on defense, and use the rest accordingly. If I'm in a shallower league, I feel like I can make that happen. You don't, or you do? It's more reasonable here. I mean, you you obviously can. You can, but I understand your point about with the Knox and getting a team that you can't necessarily get in a draft. I I just want a team that's going to win. I mean, I don't I don't care what it looks like. It uh, it like I I can't necessarily get. Maybe it's the the Patriots way of drafting, but I can't get a bunch of second round picks and third round picks in a snake draft. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But I can in an auction. I don't need to necessarily get two first round picks to win. And it's just more fun that way, Jamie. It's more fun. Uh, it is, but it's also fun to say that you drafted the next Camara, the next Devontae Adams, and you know, the, the next guy that way and, and, and get him cheap. All right. Here's a question from Stanley about auctions. Hello, Bobby, Gary, and Fishy. I'm a commissioner for a fantasy football league that's on, been going on for nine years for half PPR 12 man league. And this year, for the first time, we're moving from a snake draft to an auction draft. We're very excited about that. Our league typically doesn't like change, but this year it's, uh, we've, we've got the votes for this change. Is it necessary to go to FAB at the same time, or can that follow down the road? And are there any other pointers that you may want to give us in order to make a smooth transition to the auction draft so that we have the least least complications and the most happy managers? Thanks for taking my call. I think we should address the fab portion of this question. Do you, does an auction have to have? I mean, obviously it doesn't, but do you want it to have a fab element for free agency? I just, I like fab. I think fab is more challenging just in general. So if you think your league can handle that, then you go with it. And if your league is, you know, still kind of, you know, like he said, his league didn't want to change that much. They're finally making a big change. Are you going to make two big changes now? Maybe maybe they stick with waivers for another year before moving over to Fab. I think you should definitely go with Fab, and I would like to do something with uh, auction leagues where if you don't spend your money on the auction, mm. that money should carry over to your Fab budget for the season. Yeah, I like that. So if you don't uh, – like we had a guy last year, uh, Mike Kaiser, um, uh, one of our guys in our office that only spent – or left over $33 of a $100 budget. Never um, seen anything like <laughs> it before. It was unbelievable. And he was, actually, he was actually competitive. I think he made the playoffs. Yes, he um, did. But uh, – like in that scenario, that sixty-seven dollars should carry over. I'm sorry, the thirty-three dollars should carry over to uh, to to the regular season. You know, if it's ten bucks, it's ten bucks. If it's a dollar, it's a dollar. But um, I think you should use the 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 point money, whatever system you want to do from draft day till week seventeen. All right, let me uh, let me get some more voicemails here. And I do, I'm going to finish up my auction thought with a real life example in just a moment. All right, here is a keeper question. 954-689-3199 is the phone number. You can leave us a message and please include your name and where you're from and a greeting if you like. Stanley, I didn't know what your greeting was. I Googled it. I had no idea. All right, uh, Dakota, here we go. Hey, TBS football gurus. My name is Dakota and I'm from Wichita, Kansas. I'm calling about a keeper question. It's a 10 team standard league. I'm going to go ahead and keep David Johnson and Keenan Allen, and then one of these three running backs, Devontae Freeman, Joe Mixon, or Jarek McKinnon. Curious to see what you guys think. Thank you. Freeman, Mixon, or McKinnon, who's he keeping? I'm I'm keeping Freeman. I'm keeping McKinnon. Okay. Do you have McKinnon ranked ahead of Freeman, Jamie? Yep. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, old habits die hard for me. I still think Devontae Freeman's very good. Yeah, I, I, I mean, he's fine. I, I just think that Tevin Coleman's going to continue to be an annoyance. The receiving production for Freeman the last, you know, uh, year certainly, but the last two years have gone down and last year was a little bit troubling. And, uh, you've noted this a lot, Dave, the, the two concussions and the knee problem that he had last year. I wonder if the injuries are starting to take hold of a guy that at his size, you know, they're both the same size, but his, his workload has been there, uh, more consistently than McKinnon has. Um, I, I just like the upside of what Kyle Shanahan's track record is as running backs, and I think that's going to help McKinnon have a huge breakout season. All right, guys, let's uh, get to another keeper question. All right, I got a quick question for you guys. <laughs> I'm in a half point PPR, 12 team, three keeper league. We do have bonuses for long touchdowns, long field goals, 
that sort of thing. Otherwise, it's pretty much standardized scoring. For my keepers, I have Odell Beckham and Ezekiel Elliott. No-brainers. I'm keeping those. I also have Aaron Rodgers and Kenyon Drake. And I'm pretty high on Drake this year. Only thing is I'm thinking, do I keep Rodgers and have the number one quarterback and hope Drake is there on my third pick in the fourth round? Or do I take Drake and hope I can pick up Rodgers on that third pick in the fourth round? Um, What do you guys think? Let me know. Thank you. This is Ted from Virginia. Ted wants to keep Kenyon Drake or Aaron Rodgers. Did he say how many teams are in his league? I think 12. Okay. We'll go with 12. I th- I think I'm keeping Drake. I agree with him. I-, I think there's a lot to like about Kenyon Drake. I think there's a lot to like about his outlook this year. I would agree, too. But having been down there yesterday, <laughs> um, they love Frank Gore. This is coming from a team that has tried Arian Foster, that's tried Noshan Moreno, that's tried Reggie Bush. You know, they've gone through recycled running backs. Frank Gore is the oldest of, of the guys that they tried. They've had success or mixed results, I guess, with those guys. And um, they seem to like Kalen Balaj also. Uh, their offense coordinator yesterday said that it was, it was a, a, a good quote. I'm sorry, two days ago when I was there. But yesterday he said um, – he he looks the part, you know. I, I don't know the exact quote, but he's like, "You guys see what I see." He walks in the door, and that's that's a that's an NFL player. Because um, he's I big. Just, I just wonder if the two guys. I I I love the upside of Kenyon Drake, what he showed last year. But I just wonder if the two guys, because remember when Drake took hold of the role, he really just had to fend off Damian Williams. They signed the guy in Gore. They drafted the guy in Balage. It could just be one of those situations where. Maybe he's not as good as what he showed last year from a production standpoint. And he's never really been a full-time starter. Alabama, he was a backup. He was a backup to start his Dolphins tenure, thrown into the role after the Ajayi trade. So, um, I, I might keep Rodgers here just to say I got it locked up and, and draft Drake in the third round. That, but are you, do you think Drake's going to be there? Yeah. I I don't know. But th- that's the case for drafting Aaron Rodgers. It's like, cause we have guys in fantasy like, like Kenyon Drake that sometimes they just disappear, you know? You get excited about them and they just disappoint. And Rodgers is disappointed before too, whether it's his injury or Jordy Nelson's injury. But there's no question Rodgers is safer than Kenyon Drake. So if you're in a keeper league and you're already keeping two players that you love, I think that, you know, maybe that helps you go to Rodgers, but I see because both sides. Did he say he's losing a third round pick or he's just getting that back in the third round? He's not losing any draft picks, right? No, he's I think losing he loses the third the draft round pick, pick for keeping the player. And he's hoping he's he's keeping that player for a third round pick, and he's hoping with the third pick of the fourth round. Gotcha. Okay, now I understand it better. Um, yeah, I, the I, I, they're really about the same value. I mean, Rodgers is going to go in the third, fourth round. Drake's going to go in the third, fourth round. I think you just take the bird in hand and say, I have this locked up. All right, let me uh, get two more voicemails here. Hey there, Steph, KD, and Clay. Just uh, wondering if you can look over a trade that I made in a full-point PPR dynasty league. I traded for Derrick Henry, and I gave up Baker Mayfield, Dallas Goddard, and a 2019 second-round pick. Let me know what you guys winner. think. Thanks. <laughs> you like it? He's a winner. Okay. So it's PPR, though. He gave up Mayfield, Dallas Goddard. Okay. Dallas Goddard in the second-round pick for, for Derrick Henry in PPR. Winner. Last one. Hey, guys. Uh, love the show. Just uh, had a uh, strategy question here. First off, Adam, been doing uh, Greek yogurt and sour cream for quite a while now. Got to give you credit, but that's about the only good take you've had. So don't get uh, don't get too cocky. I'm in a uh, standard uh, six-person keeper coming off championship. So five of my six keepers are going to be Cam, Gurley, Fournette, Hopkins, and Amari Cooper. Um, the debate, you know, strategy is for that six keeper, I'm looking at either Juju or uh, Greg Olson. Now we start a, you know, quarterback, two running back, two receiver, one tight end. So it's the great debate of, um, you know, fill out the lineup or keep the better possibly player in Juju. Yeah, I cut it off there. So Juju or Greg Olson, guys, as a keeper, he needs the tight end. Juju. Agree 100%. Okay. 
So based on last year's auction results, you know, you could have started your team with Melvin Gordon, LeSean McCoy, Mike Evans, Ben Roethlisberger, and Hunter Henry. So Roethlisberger, Gordon, McCoy, Evans, Hunter Henry, and a kicker and a defense for a buck and had $21 left for eight spots. Now, of course, you could have picked some some worse players there, you know, uh, like Jordan Howard. He was cheaper. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like I could have made that work. I would have won the league if I had been in it last year. I think that's kind of what I'm trying to say. Well, Mike Evans was a bust, so you would have overpaid for him. Hunter Henry was a bust. You would have wasted money there. So No, Roth- you wouldn't have wasted it. It was a dollar. You're streaming tight end at that point. Okay. Fine. Fair. Uh, Michael Thomas was $2 less than Mike Evans. It is always going to come down to who you get. but Right. Yeah. Which I guess is your point, Jamie. It's like, why not spend more on, on good players? Give yourself more outs in case there are busts. And that will conclude today's show. Thank you guys for your time. Thank you all for listening. Have yourself a great weekend. We'll come back on Monday with another edition of the Fantasy Football Today podcast. Bye. Na, 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 na. Yeah. It's all-